deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the Griffin's dream. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Shriekcast. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans. I am your host ZC. And I'm Liz. And Liz, we're we're back at it again in the Shrieking Shack after a uh, couple weeks of, of 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 sweet sweet time off. Although I guess it wasn't all that sweet for either of us because everyone was sick this this year. Yeah, this is this has been a tough sick season, I guess. I I feel like the last couple of years, I've I've kind of escaped the 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 sickness that happens around this time of year, but. Uh, it, Fate has caught up to me, uh, and I was <laughs> sick for most of most of my vacation last week. Um, but uh, how how did you enjoy your your week off from reading uh, Harry Potter? I felt I felt lost and confused. I uh, I watched all thirteen seasons of King of the Hill um, again. What, really? Yeah, I love King of the Hill. My one of my favorite shows. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of TV. Like well, just I mean, like I was, in amount of time. Yeah, I mean, I was doing other, you know, I was I was drawing and 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 playing sure. games and stuff. But yeah, I watched a lot of King of the Hill. Um, I guess like re-Americanizing myself before diving back into reading Harry Potter, so sure. all of the twee British magic would work on me again. That's great. Um, I'm I'm excited to hear uh, once we get to our chapters how how returning felt. Uh huh. Um. And the other thing I was doing, you know, because because, you know, I didn't I didn't have to really watch the Reddit. I wasn't keeping that close of an eye on news because one, I mean, there's just not that much happening. Everyone's on break. J.K. Rowling has, uh, you know, another treehouse to unveil or whatever. So she's busy. Sure. Um, uh, but my one constant vigil um, was uh, was making sure that. Uh, I did not miss either JK or Todd Howard of Bethesda Softworks addressing the critical reception of their uh, big projects of 2018. Um, oh, is there any breaking news on this front? Absolutely not. Oh, uh, neither neither of them have addressed it. Um, so place your bets. Uh, there's still still time to the pool. To... The pool is growing, uh, getting a big big pot I, i'm not really sure what what people say when they're they're betting on something <laughs> yeah um hit me dealer mm. uh, again um one one more time <laughs> wait no that's that's the britney spears song that's not hit me baby one more time uh i think it's going to be todd howard ah uh, you know i i keep going back and forth now i really don't know um but we do have a little bit of Fantastic Beast news to cover great, on, on our return. Great. Uh, and this has been all over the place uh, today. I don't know if you've if you've caught wind of this. I, I don't know who was the first person who remembered this because it's not really new news. But um, mm-hmm. uh, this is the Slash Film article on this. J.K. Rowling may have been teasing that Fantastic Beasts, uh, Crimes of Grindelwald twist since 2016. Yep. 
That's not that long ago. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I guess like it is. I guess it, I guess it's. I guess it's 2019 now. Um, you know, it, it's uh, January 3rd when we're recording this. But if you consider that Fantastic Beasts two came out in 2018, and yeah. the like writing cycle, like that's okay. Now, please, <laughs> please tell me how she teased this amazing twist. Well, so here's the thing. Uh, back in 2016, according to Slash Film here. Uh, uh-huh. Rowling decided to update her personal website, a fairly innocuous action that may have actually been a two-year riddle for us to solve. The Harry Potter author had uploaded a banner for the Answers page with an image that featured a book about the Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> so I, let's I, I, let's I mean... yeah let's talk about this. That's not a clue. That's a tease no. at best. Yeah, I, like even like okay, Credence's name is Aurelius, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it doesn't fucking mean anything. He has nothing to do with Marcus Aurelius. Like, there's no, there's no clue within the 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 book about Marcus Aurelius that would make anyone say, "Oh, I wonder if if this is a tease that Dumbledore has a secret brother who who the we thought was is, a the twist is." That his name is Aurelius. That is not what the twist is. The twist is that his last name is Dumbledore. Dumbledore. So, but this is. There are so many fucking headlines about this. Uh, that if you, if I'm, thanks to my my handy dandy Google alerts, I can find mm-hmm. so many. Are is there a Screen Rant slash Film Cinema Blend Forbes, uh, Irma Online, The Verge. Everyone is excited about about uh, 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 discovering that at one point in 2016, J.K. Rowling found a name, a first name for the character. That's that's really some crazy stuff. Um, I will be on the lookout for any um, banners of Achilles popping up uh, because that's uh, uh, the name (laughs) of someone tina's boyfriend or that's something right. yeah so, and, and, so and be Theseus on the is, so so really all this is revealing is is that jk rowling had one source for names for this screenplay uh which was classics i guess uh so so very exciting we we know that i guess julius will probably pop up at some point maybe in odysseus really exciting shit um moving on from from jk specific news uh we've mm-hmm. got some we got some money management news um Ooh. but we this one's interesting because i got two headlines for you and i'm i'm just curious to know which one you want to hear about first which one of these <laughs> is more exciting to you because one wait. of them is about the physical realm uh oh. you know our the the real world and the other one is about uh that good good digital space the blockchain Oh wow, that's that's really enticing. Do I get to hear the headlines, or do I just get to choose physical world or blockchain? Are those <laughs> are those my options? Yeah, which one do you want to hear first? What do you what excites you more, the the physical world or the or the uh, the ephemeral uh, blockchain universe? See, I think this is the only. Maybe literally the only instance where the ephemeral world is less exciting to me. <laughs> um, so, so please uh, tell me about about IRL, please. Okay, 
the four new Harry Potter coins worth 99 pounds every fan needs to own. Four new magical coins have been released by the Royal Mint for 2019, and every Potterhead in the country will want to know about them, we reckon. If you're a Gryffindor, <laughs> Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, or Whisper It, Slytherin, you'll be delighted to collect these. I don't know why I had Whisper It in in. Was it in there. role-playing asterisks? Oh, no, I'm... no, I wish. That would be... <laughs> then we would have known that JK wrote this. That's uh, true, that's true. The coins and metal covers are wizard-friendly, celebrating the iconic universe J.K. Rowling created. Uh, there are four designs. These are these shitty. These are like those infomercial coins you see on TV late at night. They are so bad. Uh, they're individually numbered. They come with their own information pack. Blah blah blah. Um, but the true Potterheads, they don't want any of this shit with the movie stuff on them. No. Uh, they they want the uh, Royal Mint Galleon that features a dragon and the phrase Unum Galleon, which I I never really thought about. But <laughs> if all their money just has Unum Galleon on it, that's incredible. I I mean it does now. That that's like my un, that's Unum that's Galleon, a headcanon please. for the for the ages. Um, <laughs> I I think that's great um i i definitely know what you're talking about those infomercial coins and they've always been been really baffling to me because i don't understand both who they're for and why they get made like is this like a bake sale for the royal mint like i i'm not i'm i'm really confused about how how this happens so maybe i'll have to do some do some research The one that always sticks in my head is the one that I thought was fake for the longest time until I saw it on actual TV, which was the commemorative 9-11 coin. Have you ever seen oh, that yeah. commercial? Yes, I definitely have. It's, it's That one's amazing because not only like on its face, it's it's a fucking it's a coin with the picture of the Twin Towers being knocked down on it. But the um, it is like it has a hinge on it and you can pop the the towers up. So it's like a little display stand separate from the what coin. The, it is what the fuck? Why? Fucking wild. Just absolutely bonkers stuff. But uh, so these aren't these aren't quite as fully featured, I guess. But yeah, I've never like I I understand coin collecting, right? Like like I'm sure. not I'm not out here to to dunk on numismatists or whatever. Just like specifically these coins that are made to be collected seem. <sighs> I guess the part that kind of like breaks down for me that I don't quite understand is how a mint makes coins based on a brand. You know what I mean? I don't mm-hmm. know how it, how we end up with Harry Potter coins. I understand the 9-11 coin or like historic events or, or like here in the United States, we had the state's quarters and the all state that. The quarters like that, one, I think I, 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 that's the one that I understand because that's like, that's real money, right? Like, that's just real money with cool pictures on it as opposed to yeah. this, which are just like fake currency. Like, it says they yeah. have a 99 pound value. I don't know, like, is, is that tr- Like, can I walk in, can I go and buy an Xbox with it? Because I don't think that has like actual currency value. I think it's just like, the mint says it's worth this. Yeah, yeah, I have no idea. Um, have you ordered your Ravenclaw coin? Oh, I should. I should order my Ravenclaw coin. Um, what would be on the Hurtwood coin? It'd be like a cool an anteater. Yeah, a cool anteater. I'll be sick. Yes, very yeah. cool. Hell yeah. Um, so that's that's your physical realm news. 
Uh, are you ready for? Uh, are you it would ready be the anteater, and then on the other side, it would be a beautiful portrait of Horatio. Hell yes, I'm an, I'm on board with this now. I want I want this coin. Yeah, uh, and and you can trade. So if you have them in Hurtwood House, uh, they they actually will have a purpose. You can trade like one Hurtwood House coin, uh, and and what do you get? You'll get like a. You don't have to do your homework. You can trade like one 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 Hurtwood coin equals one homework assignment, and they're handed out for good behavior. Uh, and and we we have a, a thriving homework do we, does, does Hurtwood house does Hurtwood house have like an alternate point system? Like we've we've bowed out of the like house points competition, and we're like, no, we have our own currency. <laughs> yeah. He uh, he was so so as as well as being like an arborist, uh, like a um, uh, Horatio Hurtwood was was also a uh, an economist, a man guess. of many talents, man of many many talents. He was really obsessed with, with like creating mo- little model economies, and the house was just one of them. Um, so there's some new Hurtwood lore for you, I guess. Uh, but the but the economy that he was most against uh, and and railed against for for most of his life was Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, he fucking he really hated the blockchain. Fucking hated the blockchain. Uh, wrote many op eds about why Bitcoin was bad. So I'm really really looking forward to this next uh, next <laughs> article you have for me. This is one of the best headlines, just like in terms of like the words that are being strung together here that I've ever read. Sure, I can't wait. Beam takes a page from the Harry Potter universe with Mimblewimble. <laughs> Am I supposed to know what that means? Beam takes a page from the Harry Potter universe with Mimblewimble. There are Harry Potter fans, and then there is Alexander Zaitelson. The CEO of Beam is a big Harry Potter fan, so much so that he built his company on top of Mimblewimble, named after one of the spells of Potter lore. Which one? Hmm. I think what, that's the, what spell is that? The is, that? Tongue, tying, is that the confundus? No, confundus is confundus. Is that the? I think I, I, I have no idea what that is. Um. Uh. Well, they so they have a blockchain technology called Mimblewimble. Um. And uh, this is a QA with with the CEO. The question here is, what is behind the Mimblewimble name? Oh, so I guess we'll learn here. The name Mimblewimble comes from the name of a spell in the Harry Potter universe. It is the literal incantation of the spell better known as the tongue tying curse. Okay, so I was on the right track, I guess. Yeah, I, I definitely don't know when that comes up. Maybe it's in some of the later books. Maybe yeah. maybe they're a big cursed child fan. Who knows? Feel, I have a Jim. I have a strong Jim Dale memory of the word Mimblewimble, but it's hmm. it could be entirely fabricated. But but. But I feel it in my gut. Um, it is used as a defensive spell to prohibit an individual from revealing a secret about something particular. The connection to blockchain technologies comes in 2016 when an anonymous developer named Tom Elvis Juduzor, an anagram for the French way to say I am Lord Voldemort, the antagonist in the Harry Potter universe, released a <sighs> protocol named Mimblewimble. The goal of this protocol is to resolve scalability and privacy issues on the blockchain. Thank you. I love wow, crypto that's, shit that's... is so that's truly the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> there is a lot of technical discussion about blockchain in here that I will not read, but I'm I was just so I was so happy to see finally Harry Potter and blockchain collide. 
the uh, intersection in of a the intersection of a Harry Potter dork with a with a blockchain dork uh, is something that I never really conceived of until now, and it's a horrific vision. I, I don't I don't really appreciate it. <laughs> the methods of rationality author has to be a blockchain dork, right? Definitely, one hundred percent. Like, like that has to that has to has to be a fucking thing. So there's there's your news. Not much going on over the holidays. I think everyone was kind of taking a break. No one went to see Fantastic Beasts. I think everyone I think everyone was seeing either Aquaman or Spider-Man or Mary made a new Mary Poppins for some reason. Yeah, I guess there were were movies out, um none of which I watched. Um uh we we did have a a small event that I think we could talk about for a little bit and it's the Twitter Yule Ball. Oh, that's right. Of course, that happened on my birthday. So I was unfortunately unable to sit on my computer and and role play. Uh, yeah, oh. yeah, we, we had we had a great time. Uh, we had, you know, we went out on the town to, to celebrate your birthday. Happy birthday. Um, and that means that we weren't at home uh, <laughs> role playing on Twitter that night. <laughs> on Twitter with the fucking. OK, so for for. I think we may in a very early episode have alluded to this thing because it is very funny and it's been a thing that we've been aware of for a while outside the show. But but for those who do not know, the Yule Ball on Twitter is a hashtag that is organized each year. I think they do more than one event a year, but this is the true Yule Ball one. I think they do like a yeah. themed one like around prom season or something. Um but basically what it is, is it's a big party for all of the weird Harry Potter roleplay accounts on Twitter, <laughs> um, where they all pretend to be drunk and type about how drunk they are and what they're drinking. Um, I think it is significant because I think every single person tweeting in this event has never touched alcohol in their life because they are probably like 12. It is very charming. It, it is. Um, it it definitely brings me back to being, you know, thirteen or fourteen and on Live Journal uh, and pretending to be very cool. Um, I totally like the part that I I don't quite understand and I think is very weird is the like very public role playing aspect and also yes. Twitter being maybe the worst platform for role playing <laughs> I can possibly conceive of. Um, I, I think like that my two, my two favorite things about this are, are like you said, you know, probably 13 year olds role playing what it's like to be drunk. And, and they're, they like, they like make purposeful typos and are like, like quote unquote slurring their words and like stumbling about there was one that was like like role-playing very specifically about being so drunk that they've gotten sick which doesn't yeah. sound very fun to me so glamorous um, so so i really enjoy that and the other thing I enjoy is the like lookbooks that they put together oh, those for, are the best. for the characters like and they're just the most absurd like high fashion type outfits that are exactly what a a 12 or 13 year old would imagine would be like their fantasy prom right it's, it's like, incredible these... because all of them are the <laughs> there's there's two there's like two genres of picture and it's pretty much like directly split down the middle like gender wise because it is 
there's the menswear like success win Instagram douchebag look one where it's like <laughs> yeah. like guy with guy with huge beard and shaved sides of head and gauged earrings but also wearing like a three-piece suit thing or it's photos of um tv actresses at the emmys right like like yes. like those are the two those are the two genres there it was, was de- so there was funny. definitely and, and they're always like formatted this way and i, I can't think of this like who it was or like what their character name was but it was like me arriving at the twitter yule ball and it's just a, it's just two photos of cheryl from riverdale in that in that like yeah. red that red gown um there was and the, one and the that was a, is, uh-huh. there was there was one person who was a uh a lupin role player and i guess their image of professor lupin is jamie lannister because it's the actor who plays <laughs> jamie lannister wearing a suit oh no i do not i do not like that um yeah, I there, hate that. there was um a like like a very like you said like ostentatious three-piece suit that looks like it's from i don't know I don't even know what it would be from, but it is, I mean, it's an outrageous suit. And and the caption was just like, simple yet classy. <laughs> it's like not simple at all. It's like, it's like... not, it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was one that was just like uh, a man wearing a uh, like a tux from cl- like clearly a wedding magazine. Uh, oh, so God, so I yeah. really I really I really love the fashion. Um, I'd love to see like a window into um, and, and also remember remembering me thinking like it takes me back to being like twelve or thirteen and being like yes this is this is oh, what it'll be like. That th- th- I absolutely as a, as like a young teen had that like that period where anything that had a like sharp collar i thought was like the coolest shit in the world right like oh yeah <laughs> like anything with a tie and a and a and a and a, and a nice high collar i'm like mm, that's that's fashion and that's fashion um so it's it's just it's funny i don't have any problem at all with like people rping like whatever it's cute it's fun ha- have have a good time it's just the the specifically Twitter being a public platform and also them advertising it with a hashtag so everyone can go read it is very goofy to me, I guess. Yeah, there was like a post and it was a like, here's what the the houses are drinking tonight. And it was like this, this like kind of infographic, I assume taken from like Pinterest or something with some very involved cocktails, right? Oh, like, they like, each, like, awful. Each, like <laughs> each of these cocktails maybe had like seven to 10 ingredients in yeah. them. Uh, sounded just God awful. They were all like really bright. I mean, they were, they were the colors of the houses and it was just, it's, it's funny to see those posts. And then you look at like the profile picture. And I'm like, this is a 12 year old. Yeah. Like this is a, this like, is here's a what child. we're drinking tonight. Uh, it's very, it's very cute. I, I yeah. enjoyed that a lot. Um, there it's... was also a, a, a great um, uh, Snape uh, photo edit of Alan Rickman's oh, head on. Jesus. I don't even someone know else's body who, yeah i don't know who it was but it was very disturbing they made like a young severus snape they like airbrushed all his wrinkles off and put him on i don't like one of the members of arctic monkeys or something it was very <laughs> very disturbing yeah um, so, so yeah, maybe they, we'll be able to attend next year 
Yeah, I don't know I, if it's I, on this. I don't know if it's on the same date every year, or if it's like a a like every like they they choose a Saturday in December. So hopefully it won't be on your birthday. Although yeah, I can't that, think of a much better birthday gift. That, absolutely, I got so many good birthday gifts. I, I, I there's that. There was J.K. Rowling writing that fucking insane night before oh, Christmas. Oh God, I feel like we have to thing. talk about that, but I don't even know what to say. I, j- like, I it, it's it speaks for itself. First it of all, it really does. Just go back to December twenty second on her feed and and read her bizarre uh, uh, version of the night before Christmas about how much she hates Jeremy Corbyn. It is how how like. This is not a small like I, I'm not saying that it would necessarily take like more than a day to write this, but this is like a project. Like you have like the <laughs> yes. amount of like she wrote this. This wrote I, if it. I had to like guess, I would say it probably took like about an hour to write. Yeah, it, effort went into that for sure. Uh, thought thought was expended on creating this nightmare it's really good thank you so much joe for my birthday present i loved it Um, (laughs) that's really generous yeah she's you know she's you know everyone says she's such a nightmare to work with but uh but you know she she when when she knows that a fan has a birthday you know she'll go out of her way yeah yeah that's that's really incredible so we have to give give credit where credit is due for sure absolutely well i think that about catches us up um for what was happening while we were on break and uh i think it's time i'm actually really i'm I'm rip roaring to go here i'm so excited to get back into reading our chapters yeah i will um jump right into that because i'm very excited too um we did two chapters this week and i'll start with the first one we read which is called chapter 25 it's not called chapter 25 it is chapter 25 and it's called uh the egg in the eye and if i'm thinking back about two weeks into the past from where we left off i I think that we were just uh finishing up with hagrid reciting uh the the complete uh welcome to the black parade by my chemical (laughs) romance to (laughs) harry uh and and boy oh boy does harry need to solve this egg puzzle uh because he needs to win the tournament now for hagrid he he's finally decided to swallow his pride and is going to go to the prefix bathroom in the middle of the night to to work out work out this damn egg clue the the reasoning that he kind of gives that he's he's doing it in the middle of the night is because he's not sure like what he'll have to do or what what's going to like be involved so he wants privacy and as much time uh as he might need so he sets off in the middle of the night and he's got his marauder's map the egg uh, and he's he's under his invisibility cloak. He gets into the the prefix bathroom, which is like a basically like a magical swimming pool, uh, and there's a there's a painting or maybe stained glass um, of a of a mermaid in the bathroom, uh, and he he kind of swims around and tries to figure out what to do, uh, and then Moaning Myrtle shows up. We remember her from from the the second book harry potter and the chamber of secrets and and she kind of helps him along and and she's like kind of watched it's implied that she watched cedric figure it out so she kind of gives him hints and is like oh you should put the egg in the water so he puts it in the water and it sounds like you know muffled something but he still can't hear anything and she's she says to him like oh cedric you know went underwater with it um so he he kind of dunks down into the water and this is where he hears the clue which is uh some some singing uh that that only sings when it's in the water and long story short he he kind of puzzles out 
the like little poem that uh, he has to go and find the mer people that are in the lake. Uh, he he leaves the bathroom, uh, tr- trying to like figure out, you know how how is he going to swim underwater and and kind of thinking about that. But he looks down at the Marauder's map and he sees something suspicious, and it says uh, Barty Crouch is on the Marauder's map and is in Snape's office and. And he's he's like, why he's we know that Barty Crouch has been out sick from work. Like, what is he doing in the middle of the night in Snape's office? So he kind of turns to go and investigate. But because he's so distracted, he gets his foot caught in in a trick stare um, and and he drops the map and he drops the egg. But he's still covered in the invisibility cloak. The egg opens and starts screaming. Uh, Filch shows up and and kind of thinks that that Peeves has has stolen stolen the egg from one of the Triwizard champions and and uh and then also Snape shows up uh right as kind of Filch is about to discover that Harry is there and Snape says someone broke into my office Filch you have to you have to come and investigate with me uh and and Filch is kind of more interested in busting Peeves uh and then Moody arrives and we know that Moody can see Harry through the invisibility cloak, but he doesn't say anything. He doesn't give him away. Moody kind of taunts Snape a bit. And, and we get the kind of detail that Moody says that Dumbledore has given Snape a second chance, but Moody is not so easily, he, he won't as easily forgive Snape. Uh, Moody also kind of talks about how he has searched Snape's office uh, on kind of his own time. Uh, Snape finally convinces Filch to, to go to his office and someone is broken in. Uh, But Moody at that point sees the Marauders map on the ground. And it's kind of like thinks it's Snape's and says, Hey, is that, is that yours? And and Harry kind of signals to him that it's his and Moody, Moody covers for him. He's like, Oh, never mind, That's mine. And he sends Snape and Filch away. Uh, Once they've left, uh, Moody asks Harry about the map and asks to borrow it. He says that it'll be useful uh, for something and it's very mysterious what he could mean but Harry's so grateful that Moody got him out of that jam and he's not in trouble with Snape uh, that he tells him that he can borrow the map uh, as Harry is going off to go to bed Moody also mentions to Harry that he should consider becoming an Auror uh, and Harry Harry makes it back to Gryffindor Tower safely and without getting in trouble and that is the end of the chapter this book is so good when there's a plot happening. It sure this, is. I, this is one I of the best really, chapters, I think, in in this book. I really liked this one a lot. Yeah. A lot. I think it's just because it has like two of my favorite things, which are it has it, 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 Harry is motivated and is like working out a mystery. And it's fun to watch him stumble through that. And also this is the first version of the Harry overhears an important conversation thing that has <laughs> been like kind of a, a a tool used very often in this series. This is the first one that I think really nails it, like like works as a scene top to bottom um, without feeling silly. Because uh, like it's it's just as contrived as all of those other ones, but it, it, there's so much more going on of of like subtexts in the conversation between all the characters and also like there's some actual tension in the scene he's not just like in the corner unseen in the invisibility cloak with no worries you know yeah yeah i definitely think so um 
I I guess we can kind of break this chapter into two parts. Uh, the right. first being him working out the clue, and the second being the uh, him almost getting caught, and then Moody covering for him mm-hmm. uh, at the end. Uh, I was not expecting the second task to be my favorite. Uh, and I know we haven't gotten to the task, but I, I really did enjoy him kind of uncovering, uncovering this clue. I like the goofy rhyme and, and like the people conceit here. Yes. Yeah. The whole scene in the prefect bathroom is very funny and has just some like, like charming character thoughts from him. Like his reaction to the, to the very fancy bath and stuff is very cute. Um, Myrtle, appearing even though she's basically just there to like nudge the plot forward to like feed him the the answer it's i i was kind of dreading this because i just remember how weird this scene feels in the movie but having her appear here i actually really enjoyed and like i i forgot that myrtle is a pretty funny character uh yeah she was she was really funny here i i thought i thought that the comedy in the scene was done pretty well I, I love her story about haunting that girl's uh, brother's wedding and stuff. Like, like there's some cute, uh, there's some cute stuff here. Yeah. Uh, let me take a look here. I, I don't have, like, I guess that, that first part um, is kind of the culmination of Harry's, Harry's like decision to swallow his pride. Like this is the kind of the conclusion of his arc in the last couple mm-hmm. chapters. Um, uh, and he still has some, has some kind of funny thoughts about Cedric and, and thinking that Cedric may have maybe just playing like an elaborate joke on him. Uh-huh. Um, Harry. I, I do like Harry here. I will say he's kind of dumb. He's, he's very silly. Um, I, I like how dumb he is. There's a thing that this is kind of like a grander statement about both of these chapters, but I'll, I'll put it here and I'll just like elaborate on it later. Um, I appreciate Harry being dumb, but also like well-meaning. This is that we we've had Harry in this, in this book be pretty stupid overall. And this is the chapter. This is the set of chapters rather where it finally ties into a character portrayal that i enjoy where he is kind of thick but like his heart's in the right place which kind of hasn't come across recently like he was really dumb during the yule ball but he just kind of came off like an asshole right like 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 not yeah he's been pretty mean he's been pretty mean-spirited at a few points in this book yeah yeah and so so him him being kind of stupid but like because he's he's always trying to do the right thing or whatever i i i I like that more here i think i think that's i think that works for me um the 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 thing that i i i thought was funniest was the the like talking past each other conversation that him and myrtle have is so good because they're both clearly preoccupied with completely different things in this conversation. Um, the comment that Myrtle makes about how like, Oh, you solved that really fast when Cedric did it, all the bubbles were nearly gone or whatever. Like, like she's, <laughs> she is so much more interested in just like checking out the hot Hogwarts boys or whatever in like a really funny way. And like him 
slowly coming to the conclusion that there that there are mer people in the lake when there's like a painting of a mermaid right the fuck there uh <laughs> i'm like like she won't answer him directly it's 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 just there this is a funny scene like like i i appreciated there's layers to this that that i worked for me i guess like like this was very entertaining yeah um and i and i think like it provides a good contrast to the the second half of the this chapter mm-hmm. that is very that I think is very eerie. I yeah, I was I was kind of I mean I guess I know what happened. So how how freaked out can I really be? Um, <laughs> but Moody is scary. I I definitely you know we've talked about this a few times when we talk about Moody um, because I, I think that like in in retrospect reading this before I I remember feeling like very betrayed by moody's betrayal at the end of this book and uh-huh. and maybe not picking up on the clues or realizing that they were so there that there's not there's something not quite right with him yeah um, and and i really like that i think that you were saying uh, when we were talking about this earlier um that this is is such a good parallel to a almost identical scene from prisoner of azkaban where it's lupin covering for harry yes yeah um yeah it's it it is it is almost beat for beat the exact same scene that happens in prisoner of azkaban when snape catches him out with the marauders map right um Mm -hmm. but in that case it's an authority figure who truly does have harry's best interest in mind whereas here it is a it is a similar thing happening but for a completely different reason um because like the first time i read this when i when i was getting back into the reading i was like this is stupid this is literally the same thing that happened in the last book and then i realized like oh wait no it is supposed to be the same thing that happened in the last book because it's it's a kind of clever way to kind of obfuscate what's really going on i guess it, it it's really creepy going in knowing yeah. with going in knowing what i know uh after you know of course reading this book many many times as a kid and stuff and like like i i i this is one of those weird things where i almost wish that i had read this book for the first time later in life so that could be really effective because i definitely did not appreciate that when i was a kid you know no yeah there there is an element in this chapter especially and i and i think it does come through um in other ones where um that as a kid i i i didn't pick up on because i think as a kid like the like fantasy or the idealizing of adults or the idea that like like a cool adult could think that you're cool and like Mm -hmm. um and, and uh etc doesn't have that sinister edge that i think it does reading this as an adult where both crouch or not crouch excuse me secret crouch moody um and also ludo bagman are being like too nice for no reason right Mm -hmm. it it has that Mm -hmm. it has that sinister edge of an adult that maybe is just like letting you get away with a little too much because they have have their own agenda and it's it it feels I guess reading this to me felt claustrophobic because it is it's you're reading it through Harry's eyes and he can't know that anything is wrong. Right. Right. Um, So, so I definitely really liked that. 
fake um, moody in this scene has like the vibe of someone who is buying alcohol for teenagers at the gas station or something exactly. right yes, yeah it's creepy yeah it's it's just a little too helpful uh it's 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 very creepy his back and forth with snape is really great too um i will say i think the one thing in this scene that i think is a little silly is snape dramatically grabbing his arm in response oh my to, god <laughs> like it, yeah it's pretty funny it's a, like it's a little i feel like the same like me or maybe would have even been more effective if he had like like subconsciously done it you know rather than like making a grand theatrical gesture to grab his arm um but otherwise i i think this is like this is this is by far the best crafted version of the like harry stumbles upon a conversation he's not supposed to be hearing thing um i'm just thinking because like in book one it's it's snape and quirrell in the corridor in in chamber of secrets it's the hagrid's hut clusterfuck uh (laughs) in azkaban it's the it's the scene with the marauders map when snape finds out he has the cloak um and here he oh and also azkaban has Azkaban has three of these. Azkaban also has the the uh, three broomsticks scene and the um, oh wait no no I'm getting the movie and the I'm, I'm mixing the movie and the the film together the, uh, the mm. movie and the book together it's it, the three broomsticks scene or the scene in the film where he's like in the office over here oh them. yeah yep um so but so like this is a scene that has happened many many times in Harry Potter but here. I like it a lot better because none of the characters are talking like directly about Harry, really. Um, it's just that everyone has their own agenda. Like Filch wants to catch Peeves. Snape wants to catch Harry. Moody is covering or fake Moody is covering his own ass, right? Like there's there's actual secret character agendas at work here that are much more interesting than just like hearing characters info dump about Harry without knowing he's there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I think this scene feels really smart. Um, and uh, let's see here. <laughs> we are four, 465-ish Oof. pages into this book. Um, I, I can't stress enough that there has been smart stuff in this book. This is probably one of the sharpest, like exciting scenes that has been in here so far Mm -hmm. why is this book so long god yeah imagine if this scene was in like a azkaban paste book right like god damn it could have been really great this is this just has such a lethargic pace overall which is weird to say because i i like slice of life stuff um but i don't like it when it is happening while the plot is just taking a nap i guess which is what feels like is happening in this book a lot of the time a lot of the slice of life stuff that has happened has also just been torture in this book (laughs) yeah not very good they fucked up a dance chapter how god um but yeah i i and and particularly i like in 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 this the very last exchange between moody and harry um (laughs) moody could because i mean he's a he's the fucking professor right he could just say i'm confiscating this map right Mm -hmm. but he specifically is buttering harry up by like asking to borrow it nicely 
Like it's so creepy. Because yeah, Harry's he, not going to say no. He's he's trying to put Harry on like he's trying to make them peers, you know, like yeah. And I think that's kind of the like crux of this being so creepy. And I and I guess like in the like Lupin parallel, like that that was the difference between Lupin and, and, and fake Moody here is that, that Lupin like was friends with Harry, like, but still as an authority figure and yes, Moody absolutely. is like trying to be in on it. And, and I think like reading that as an adult, it's so, it's so eerie and, and, and smart. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's odd that I am like Harry is getting older and, and this book really wants me to know that, right? Like we, we get into all the dating stuff. Um, and I, and I think that I like mentioned this before, but I am so much more aware in this book of Harry's age and, and him specifically being young than I mm-hmm. was in the first three books where they are kids that are basically stand-ins for adults, like functionally. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is a, it is a weird i think that is maybe the biggest transition that this book has made um is the portrayal of the characters because they really were just like small adults in the first three books uh and and them behaving like children now is good for the story that's being told it's just very sometimes very odd to reckon with the stuff that's come before we we right. talk about this a lot with Ron, right? Like Ron Ron makes a sacrifice that like most adult characters would not be capable of in the first book at age eleven, right? Like Yeah. Like, and has worked backwards from there to be become more of like a normal teen, which like isn't bad. Like that's like like that's not inherently wrong or anything. It's just like two very different ways of telling a story that is the same story, same series. No, yeah, and like the the kids as miniature adults in like the, in the way that the first uh two books and also the third um it, it functions to like make them children for the sake of creating obstacles right but like functionally speaking they are they are reasoning and moving through through the plot as adults would it is just that like like their being children sets up artificial conflicts in the story mhm mhm but then this is just oh oh they're they are kids now they yeah. they have they have grown up and also de-aged at the same time which <laughs> I I, th- I think is interesting. But yeah, I I think this might be my favorite chapter so far of this book. Uh, this or the lead up to the World Cup, I think, are just like the two best things that have been in this. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think back because uh, we've been reading this book for a while now. Um, hmm. But yeah, I think I think I agree with that. I think that um, honestly, these these two chapters as being like the big second task chapters have been my favorite. Um, do you have any any uh, wrap up thoughts about chapter twenty five before I before we go to the second task? No, I think I think any thoughts that I have now kind of tie more into the grander two chapter parcel here. So let's let's do it. Let's go to the next one. Okay, this one is like kind of long at least in the notes that i've written for it um also i i believe that as i was starting to write these i had just taken nyquil and i think that it was like start maybe starting to kick in so so wish me luck on on my my summary here for chapter 26 which is gotcha. called the second task um we start off and we're in charms class with harry ron and hermione and they are learning banishing charms which is the opposite of a summoning charm 
Uh, it is in this scene that Harry is telling Ron and Hermione all about uh, both what the second task is going to be and also the conversation that he and Moody had and also what he heard uh, like of Moody and Snape talking about. Uh, they kind of discuss whether Snape might have put Harry's name in the goblet, uh, but do dismiss it for the most part, uh, considering that Snape was the uh, red herring from book one. Uh, and and Harry says, you know, it may be that he is not trying to kill me, but I really would like to know what Moody meant by like, what what was Snape's first chance? Um, like, what, what, did, what did he do that that moody doesn't doesn't trust him harry does then send a letter to sirius and it's all about the conversation that he he overheard or i guess witnessed between uh moody and snape uh because he had promised sirius that he would tell him about any anything strange that he encountered and then he goes to the library to try to research how to survive underwater uh, unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be a single spell or any information in the entire library that could tell him how to how to get to to the Mer people in the lake. Harry does receive a letter back from Sirius, and it's at this point that Harry realizes that he didn't tell Sirius what the second task was. He only told about the conversation that he heard between uh, Moody and Snape, and all that Sirius has responded with is a question, which is, "When is what? What is the the date of the next Hogsmeade weekend?" Um, and Harry Harry writes back to tell him. Uh, we also get a scene at Care of Magical Creatures. Uh, Hagrid has returned to his post, uh, but is continuing the lessons uh, about unicorns that Professor Grubbly Plank had had started, uh, and he has some some baby unicorns there. This is also kind of where we find out that that Hagrid can give a good lesson. Uh, he just doesn't like unicorns as much as he likes dangerous creatures. Uh, Hagrid, at this lesson, um, also like takes this this moment to again recite the entirety of Welcome to the Black Parade to Harry, uh, <laughs> saying saying that he knows Harry's going to win. He has to. It's the night before the second task, and Harry is freaking out. He has gone through the entire library. Harry, Hermione and Ron are there trying to help him to find anything that will help him breathe or underwater or swim or, or do whatever, uh, but there is nothing. Uh, as they're researching, it's kind of getting later into the night, and um, George shows up and says that uh, McGonagall has has summoned Ron and Hermione, uh, but won't say what it's for. And Harry kind of speculates that, like, oh, maybe maybe they're in trouble for helping me. Harry tries to research late into the night. He gets to about two in the morning and uh, falls asleep, and he hasn't found anything. But he is awoken uh, by the hero of this chapter, Dobby, who who wakes Woo! him up. Woo! It's Dobby, um, and he he has get, has brought him a gross, slimy ball of what looks like worms, maybe, and says, "Harry, eat this, and you'll be able to do the task." Harry runs off, uh, gets to the task just in time. Um, we do get the detail that Percy is there filling in for for Barty Crouch um, at at the uh, as a judge. Uh, Harry Harry eats the it's called gillyweed. Um, that Dobby has given him is a little bit worried that it didn't work, but eventually he grows gills and fins and swims into the lake. Um, 
we get a little bit of action as he's he's swimming through the lake and is getting kind of kind of scared and there's some some water demons some grindy lows that that attack him but he he overcomes all the challenges and he arrives at the city of the mer people in the in the deepest part of the lake and this is the part where he finds out that um his so in the poem it said like we're going to take something of yours that you care most about if you don't get it within an hour it's gone forever so he sees that um ron is his his person uh hermione is victor crumbs uh gabrielle is fleur's sister and is there uh, and cho is there uh for cedric but harry thinks that they're going to die if the other champions get them in time so he won't just take ron and go uh the mer people don't let him uh rescue anyone else he he does wait cedric and crumb arrive and and take take their hostages and leave uh but fleur doesn't show up so harry gets into a little bit of a fight with the mer people and pulls his wand on them and rescues both ron and gabrielle but he is the last one to emerge from the lake uh he once he gets out of there, he realizes that he's been silly the whole time. Of course, Dumbledore wouldn't have just let uh, let them die in the lake, and he he feels he feels very silly. Um, but when it comes around to to judging time, he gets forty five points out of fifty uh, for showing great moral fiber for for not letting anyone uh, get get left behind. Um, and then we find out that the next task, uh, the third and final Triwizard task, will be in June, and the champions. Uh, will be told what the task is exactly one month before before that date. And that's the end of the chapter. Okay. This is this is still also this is also a very good chapter for the most part. Um, <laughs> however, I will say that I think that's mostly because of the back half. I think that the front half of this chapter is some of the most work uh jk has done in except for uh fixing the port key plot hole in the fantastic beast sequel uh the most work she has ever done to cover up a really obvious contrivance which is i cannot fucking believe i i in no way can be convinced that water breathing wasn't one of like the first spells that ever existed in the wizard world there's no fucking way that in a in a world where you can levitate anything, uh, there are flying broomsticks and and you you learn how to unlock doors by tapping them at age eleven. Uh, that no one had ever thought to make a charm that lets you breathe underwater. I, <laughs> I I can't really quite tell like what I think of this because. First of all, we do find out what the solutions that the other champions came up with. Um, two of them, Cedric and Fleur, used a charm called the bubble head charm, where they got a bubble around their heads that allowed them to breathe. <laughs> and Crumb tried to transform himself into a shark, failed, and transformed his head into a shark. Um, and I can't tell if, like, is why couldn't Harry find the underwater breathing spell? There, I, like, did Cedric I check out the book? To believe, like, what? what? <laughs> there has, yeah, for, it's, it, it's twofold, right? Because one, 
if you're telling me that that's not a spell that exists, I find that really hard to believe. But we find we find out in the second half of the chapter it, that yes, it does. It, it there does. are multiple ways. Okay, we have Gillyweed that turns you into a fish person. We have the Bubblehead charm, and you can transform yourself into an underwater animal. I do not. I. It's like it's so weird because at the first half it's like, uh, it can't be done, and then Hermione's like, oh, Dumbledore wouldn't set a task that can't be done, and sure enough, there are a lot of ways to do it. So are they just <laughs> bad researchers i don't i don't quite i don't quite get it this seems like it, it is, would be one of the simplest wizarding tasks it is very goofy and, and like it's ultimately it doesn't matter right but it, it i i i only it, it only stuck out to me because so much of this chapter they're like it's like multiple scenes of them like figuring like is there a way to breathe underwater like they really hammer it in that they're that they're looking for it uh and 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 can't find it and it's very I, weird i know i i know i say this every time i say i'm not gonna do this anymore i'm not gonna i'm not gonna offer up a fix uh, i'm not i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna doctor this chapter but i do must it. i the call the call is here uh how about Harry discovers the bubblehead charm and can't do it? Yeah, because, why can't he just suck he, at it? Because he, he's he's too young. Like he's not even supposed to be in in this tournament. We don't learn that until sixth year, and he's just he's just not good at it. Like like he doesn't know the like underlying foundational principles of how to do this charm <laughs> because he's a he's a shitty student and he's only in fourth year, and he and he practices it and practices it and he just can't do it. Yeah, I because Do- because Dobby is arriving at the eleventh hour anyway to give him the gillyweed, so that could still happen. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> there's really nothing that that meddles with that 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 that's a very simple change that I think would make it a lot more make the world building work a lot better here. Um, I also think that the oops, I forgot to tell Sirius about the second task thing is really <laughs> funny too. Like, like. Like, did yeah. Sirius forget too that that his godson is in like mortal peril because of this this ancient ancient tournament? Like, that's a little odd. Uh, there's I, just I some do. weird stuff going on. Everyone everyone needs a nap in this chapter. Really, they really do. I I do. I I am wondering if Sirius's character is going to unfold as being more unhinged than I remember. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I'm kind of excited to find that out. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't really explain why it just slipped Harry's mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's Hagrid's lesson too, which I I like. I like the unicorn content. I thought it was very cute. Um, I love baby unicorns. It's such a cute scene. They're golden. That's They're so gold cute. They're like, golden and they I like boys that. still. Uh, which is kind of a funny detail. Um, uh, but it does serve a really weird th- purpose. It serves the same purpose that the like Hermione and Ron makeup at the end of book three serves, which is, well, I don't know how to resolve this character flaw. So it's gone now. Right. Like, like, I I don't think here here's the thing is is that this really stuck out to me and it really bothered me in this chapter and it's really just not that big of a sin in this chapter I I just am forming such a pattern with J.K. Rowling which is she does not know how to create a conflict in a book or or in in a movie for that matter and uh-huh. live with the consequences she right. it will it will not happen. Uh, Credence is dead at the end of Fantastic Beasts 1. Oh, no, he's not. 
Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> like, if at any point um, in any of these books, a character that we are supposed to think of as quote unquote good or like a good guy does something bad or does something that like creates conflict it will 100% of the time be hand waved away in one paragraph in the next chapter every time every <laughs> single so fucking time and and this and it's like you know honestly i'm really not that mad at hagrid being a bad teacher like he can still be a good guy and also be a shit teacher yeah but no that's it's really like, inconsequential it's like we got this weird paragraph where it's just like, oh, turns out Hagrid actually knows a lot about unicorns. He just likes monsters more. I, it, fr- it is so deeply frustrating to me because it, <laughs> it makes these books feel like there are no stakes. If everything can be undone, if every like character flaw or conflict that happens can be hand waved away by like one or two sentences like how am i supposed to stay invested in anything the characters do right We're, this is such a yeah. this is such a small thing like i don't care i don't care about hagrid i don't care about whether he's a good teacher or not yeah it's not this specifically I, it's just, right it's it it's, is just a building frustration i have with in her fact, writing like, honestly if if this was just in a vacuum if it was just sort of like a throwaway like gag a twist that like Actually, Hagrid is a really good teacher if you make him do the stuff that he doesn't enjoy as much. There's comedy in that that, that like I can appreciate, but it's the fact that it comes with the baggage of like, this is the Crookshanks dispute. This is the Yule Ball stuff. This is the Harry and Ron feud. All of them just sort of melt away uh, like and, and never never really mean anything except in the case and this is why i'm really pissed off about this is if 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 you're gonna do all these hand waves for for these characters why couldn't you have done one for for my boy gilderoy where's lockhart he's he's bad bring him back i really i really think that's why it it is very like it's so funny because i feel like one of the themes of this these books becomes like the shades of gray right Mm -hmm, like that that mm -hmm. is like a huge like weird theme in her writing that almost feels somewhat unintentional like that kind of uh like liberal sensibility that just like you know like oh there's the good and the bad um but at the same time there is a clear delineation between the good guys and the bad guys and the good guys can never do anything bad. Like if, if the good guy <laughs> does something that you might be critical of, it has to be hand waved away. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and someone like Gilderoy Lockhart is, is bad, right? Like, right. like he, he got, he got rightfully punished. Um, right. And, and we'll see kind of the aftermath of that later. Um, moving on. I can't tell if this is an intentional like self jab or not, mm-hmm. but the dream Harry has about the mermaid holding the firebolt over his head. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Is that, is that meant to be as funny as it is? Because to me, I read that as almost a little bit of like self-reflective, like criticism of how the firebolt was handled in the, in the third book. Like, like that is the in his dream state that is his most precious thing like that is what is most precious to his soul is the fucking firebolt right it's very funny um i also found a lot of comedy in that but i also i, I 
don't think that I think that maybe that's generous. <laughs> I, I I really liked that. I did love the appearance of Dobby. I thought do, does the Neville reveal come later, or is that a movie thing I'm conflating with the book? Uh because I, I thought gonna... that I was going to say I, it comes later, but now I am questioning whether it's yeah, Moody I, also. I thought that Moody giving Neville the book was like the the seed of the Gillyweed, uh, uh, like like reveal. Um, but here it's just Dobby. I, I, I'm sure it'll come later. I, I it's got to because I thought I, I remember that being like, oh, that's one of the clever clever uh uh things in this book is that the the gillyweed thing is is teased very early but the that's got to just come later or something uh one of yeah, the perils of reading a few chapters at a time yeah i'm not sure um task itself yeah uh this is such a fucking weird i i love the i, I have like this the sporting event uh feel of this is very funny knowing that they are going into a lake where no one can see them uh, <laughs> i i know that 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 is like the number one dae notice on reddit thing is like they they're they're stands but they can't see in the water but i like the way it's portrayed here because it that that absurdity feels like like accounted for like it just feels like it's supposed to be like a silly scene entirely um yeah the Um, the idea of watching all these people wade into wade into the water slowly is very funny on its own that is a very funny scene i also feel like if i had to like directly address that that specific criticism uh would be that i i kind of get the feeling that this is more like watching a marathon or like Mm -hmm, a race mm -hmm. than it is i mean it is a literal race right right you you watch the finish line yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah exactly I think it's I think that's a funnier thing in the movies where it's set up more like a stadium. Uh, but the here it just feels like a weird like county fair setup or something. It uh, it is very funny. Um, they should have given uh, they should have given them GoPros. <laughs> they really should. Yeah. Is there a magic GoPro? There needs to be. There was that extended conversation about aqua lungs. Also, I know oh, you want to talk about Bagman. Right. I I, lo- I love that the the the, the aqualungs thing is very funny. I like that Harry's in Harry's desperation. He's just like, what if I just do the same thing again the, that I did from the first the first task? He's so dumb. He's very stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was very cute. But the actual task at hand, like like the thing where all the judges seem disappointed that he made it in time, is very funny. <laughs> uh, like Bagman being a little too too supportive is very funny there's just a, like a lot there's a good there's like a good kind of overwhelming scene here that i really appreciated uh before the actual like task starts yeah and i think that like i think that it's um, great to see the plot still happening in this chapter like throughout even though it's just like a a you know, a sporting event chapter, but I think that it, it is perfect that Percy is there in place of Crouch. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. like, it's scary. It, you think back to before when Crouch was in Snape's office and it's like, why can't he be at the tournament? Um, right. So that's spooky. And I like that detail in here a lot, which like, I, I was expecting this should just be a like straight up doing the sporting event chapter. So I, I was happy to see that detail. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, the absurdity of the actual task here, like 
there there's a lot going on here that I think can could really only fly in this very divorced from reality magical European setting. Cause because what Dumbledore has done here is basically <laughs> asked like a bunch of like indigenous people to so, hey, can you like freak out a bunch of teenagers for us? <laughs> like it's really fucking weird i love the merpeople city they're they're awesome i want i we we found that quote about how like originally the merpeople were gonna play a much bigger part in the books and i'm kind of bummed that they didn't now because this is such a great scene they have like a village square and stuff it's cute i wonder if they were going to like i wonder if the centaurs ended up taking their place that's yeah, that 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 would make sense. I, think. I guess it's yeah. a lot harder to get people into a into the bottom of a lake than it is into a forest. <laughs> to get a horse into a castle. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's true. That's yeah. a that's a that's a great new idiom that we just coined. Easier to get <laughs> easier to get a horse in a castle than people at the bottom of a lake. <laughs> <laughs> the, old say, the old saying that everybody knows. That old, that old, that old chestnut. Um, but yeah, I I love that they're all like, like plant hamming it up and like like acting scary for Harry and stuff. And then as soon as he like like, it's it, I I I think of like I I honestly like imagine like being at a theme park where everyone's like in character, and then you like do something that like like they they just cannot address in character, right? Like uh-huh. like like they, they they really do come across like like theme park employees who are like, okay, I will I will do I will I will be Woody from Toy Story for this photo, but if you keep asking <laughs> me to dab, I'm going to I'm going to tell you to fuck off eventually, like. There's yeah, because there's so much going on here. Like Harry arrives in their city, and there's like a choir set up to do the song from the egg as this uh-huh. is happening. And then like there's like this point where he's like trying to rescue the other hostages, and he like tries to talk to the the like merman that's there. He's like, "They're gonna die," and the merman's just like, "Er, grr, I'm <laughs> I'm angry," and like pokes it like it like threatens. He's like laughing like, at him. It's it's really funny. Yeah. Harry is incredibly fucking stupid, but it is quite yeah, charming. Like this this like really he, worked for me that because especially because he was like, "Oh, I was being really stupid." Um, but I really I really relate to that feeling of like this to me uh reminds me of being scared of something in the middle of the night and then the next day you're like, "Oh, that was dumb." Right? Like that uh-huh. that's such that's such a like universal like a kid and uh and also me as an adult experience that like uh-huh. like yeah in the at the bottom of the lake and you're breathing through gills and you're scared and you're like these people are going to be killed and then you like surface from the literal lake and you're like oh like that's that was dumb yeah I, so I, I, that really worked for me i liked that uh i i just i love the description of all the mer people i love that they have pet grindy lows i love that they have I just I the idea of like this little English village in, that's at the bottom of the lake is such a funny concept to me that I I wish that we had gotten to see them more and this this also has like two of the best Ron lines back to back are in this are in this scene where when he finally surfaces and like is awake he just says oh wow it's wet here isn't it which is like just a really 
a really fucking funny line and then after the scoring i'll, I'll let you take the scoring one because it's it's very good oh yeah uh, this is like my this is my favorite line i think in this entire book and i think that i i actually laughed because um uh so harry just got his his 45 points um and uh i think it's uh, I think it's Bagman that says that him trying to rescue the other hostages shows moral fiber and merits full marks. And Ron says, there you go, Harry. You weren't being thick after all. You were showing more moral fiber. <laughs> it's really fucking good. I, uh, before we wrap this up, can we talk about the scoring system here? Yes, I love uh, it. And how I, I completely insane it love is. It. <laughs> it's, okay. So first of all, I feel like having the uh, the heads of the schools be the judges <laughs> already completely compromises this tournament, right? Uh, yes. This, this this seems this seems like a problem. Um, I love the idea that like Harry's moral fiber is just so strong that it convinces <laughs> like Madame Maxime. Oh, actually, this is you know. Oh, I I hate the Harry Potter boy with my life. <laughs> and I wish that I wish for him to fail so my my girl Floor can win. But oh my god, he's just so so valiant. I will give him full points. Incredible. Uh, also, the fact that like completely failing at the at the sport, but like being nice warrants forty five out of fifty, which feels <laughs> like it feels like that might just be the best strategy then in these tournaments is to just lose but be nice because if you can get 45 points out of 50 by doing that that like crumb did the task and only got what 25 or whatever <laughs> uh or or no fleur fleur got 25 he got 40 for like doing it getting first place like by any getting... objective measure uh-huh uh, um I have a I have a real real zinger for you. All right. <laughs> Do you think um, when the judges were were talking about how, what Harry's score was going to be? Um, do you think Karkaroff said, uh, no, that Harry Potter boy, he's just virtue signaling? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. One hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. The the. The entire scoring system just seems completely broken, and I love it. Like it's, I, I, I'm, I think that the tournament being this kind of like weird medieval shit show is so much funnier and cooler than the, uh, than like what we got in the movie. Like I'm, I'm, the movie just makes it seem like badass, right? Like this is, yeah, this is the and it's really tournament. shouldn't be. It's no. just like no, this is this is this is a Ren fair that's like barely held together with tape. Like it's 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 very charming in that way uh yeah you know i i do uh, you know we uh, we take jk rowling to task a lot uh in this mm -hmm. podcast um and i do i do like to give credit where credit is due um because i i think that like one of the most common harry potter fandom jokes is the like house point uh, like Slytherin getting the house kept snatched away at the last moment to give Harry like a hundred points for doing something stupid. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I, I think that's like a punchline a lot of the time in the Harry Potter fandom. Um, 
and I don't necessarily think that like they're they're criticizing it, but this chapter, probably stronger than any other, um, made me really feel like J.K. Rowling is like in on the joke. Not yeah, necessarily with the fandom, sure. but it's like all those things like brought together, like every like competition type thing, maybe excluding Quidditch. Um, it, it does seem like very funny and intentionally absurd. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way this wasn't written to be like a joke, right? Like it, it is it is just patently absurd the way the scoring system and judging system works. Yeah, and and I think that like for this book, like the the tournament doesn't matter. Right? No. Like it's it's not this is this isn't this is not a sports book. <laughs> well, except for the fact that Harry really wants to win because Hagrid played him the Black Parade. <sighs> uh so you know he did it again this chapter why (laughs) he did he really did hey it's a good album and haggard you know maybe harry hadn't like gotten back to him on it or something he's like hey harry you you know did you listen to it i I really think you should listen to this album i mean harry i'm sure harry would like it yeah yeah i I, you know a lot a lot of people have this weird stigma against emo harry but first of all, it's not really emo. It's more of a glam rock album uh, with, you know, with some some emo lyrics. Uh, it, just listen to it. Just just get over yourself and listen to it. I think of what an upgrade that that album is over um, Dance Like a Hippogriff or whatever. Oh, Jesus. God. Yeah. Like like imagine imagine like you're listening to the wizard, the, the wizard wireless or whatever. And like someone some muggle somewhere is driving by with like one of those car tuners for their their radio and they're listening yeah. to the black parade and actually comes you know accidentally comes over the the wizard thing and they get to hear lyrics that like aren't about animals that exist in like, yeah just... it's not the it's not the fucking alphabet song it's like uh, re- <laughs> it's not like... a nursery rhyme <laughs> it's not a fucking nursery rhyme with a guitar solo it's like an actual song yeah <laughs> I, I really Someone needs to bring bring some MCR to the the Wizarding Wireless. Absolutely, I bring. Oh my god, I I wish. I'm just thinking about how, like, for the movie, J.K.'s first choice was was Franz Ferdinand, and her second choice was Muse. I just mm. wish that, like, instead of the weird, bad, uh, like pulp and Radiohead crossover that was mashed together. We we had gotten like Gerard Way uh, and 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 an MCR on stage for the Yule Ball scene. That would have been fucking great. He would write a great Wizard Christmas song. I bet. Oh, definitely. Um, I I guess that um we, we'll we'll be visiting more um more Gerard Way MCR uh, content in the Wizarding world when we get around to My Immortal. Oh hell yes, that's true. That's true. There's so much. There's so much they're, to get they're to. They're featured featured heavily in in that uh, work yes. of art. Absolutely. So yeah, I I you know I think that the first half of this chapter was a little contrived, but like I think it's worth it for the payoff at the end here. It's very funny. Um, I, I I I like Harry just like flying by by the seat of his pants here because Bagman is pulling the strings for him but uh yeah i like this chapter we got anything else on this one no um i i think that these two chapters um were probably some of my favorite in here which was probably 
like if if you had asked me about when we started this book to like pick out what I think are going to be my favorite parts, this probably would have ranked very very low on my list. Totally. I, I would not yeah. have been like, oh yeah, duh, the second task, um, the underwater level. Um, but I really did enjoy <laughs> them. I I might I may have been on Nyquil, which might have. Uh, helped or hindered i don't know um and honestly like my biggest criticism of these chapters other than like just kind of like general weirdness in them uh is that we're on page 508 i know that is such a lazy criticism but like i just can't i can't get over like it's not even filler. Like my my criticism is not filler. I I can get on board with some good some good filler. Um, yeah. But but this this whole book just feels sloppy. I'm like, why why did I have to read 500 pages to get these two chapters? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> so this book is that's too long. Probably it. It's, it is too it's long. It's way too long. Um. Well, I think that will do it for our first uh, reading of the new year. Let's take a little break and then we can come back and talk about what Pottermore has to say about ringing in the new year. Sounds good. are back and it is it is a brave new world it is 2019 uh what are what are some of your new year's resolutions uh i'm hoping uh to post more in the new year (laughs) (laughs) what a a beautiful i don't know what is so funny about that (laughs) a beautiful goal i yeah no posting posting is posting is life i agree um I, I, I cannot wait to see more more beautiful content from your Twitter. Uh, Thank you. you had some. You were having some. You had some good tweets. Uh, uh, kind yeah, of. Yeah, I probably t- I, I probably tweeted about five times in 2018. I liked um, <laughs> I liked the the I liked your your uh, Great Gatsby take. I thought that was a good one. Oh, um, thanks. Uh, I worked on that one. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping to I'm hoping to come up with more tweets. Uh, maybe some maybe some more you know casual tweeting social mm-hmm. media just does not come very easily to me it's, no. it's it's not it's really not my wheelhouse but i would like to post more um in 2019 now that my um favorite uh you know my social media uh, platform of choice has been shut down uh, that was the one i was super active on the swift life uh the social media <laughs> uh app for taylor swift fans <laughs> oh, that's not true I... I just had to i just had to work that one in there All i, right, I never had that app i thought you were going to like expose yourself as like a, a tumblr uh uh addict or whatever i guess Alas, you've talked about no your... i just don't i just don't post so that's no. gonna change in the new year that's I, what about I can't you wait um most of mine are like like work stuff related like i want to i need to like finish more projects and put them out there sure um, that you know just kind of boring stuff like that i don't have anything as grand as like posting more 
Mm, yeah, but you're already a pretty prolific uh, poster. So. I post too much. If anything, my New Year's resolution <laughs> should maybe be to post less. I should like give you some of my posting energy. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, like a, a little posting energy exchange. Yeah, yeah, kind of even it out for both of us. Uh, get it about level. I think that might that might be wise. Sure. Um. So I noticed though that neither of our resolutions are inspired by harry potter characters you know even though we do this podcast every week you know we're thinking about harry potter a lot uh that's that's not quite on either of our radars i guess for our personal lives yeah i Um, guess not well here is some some stuff from pottermore.com our favorite website (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh this is a article entitled new year's resolutions inspired by harry potter characters uh, and they have some some helpful uh, some some ideas for us. <laughs> I think I think this is maybe one of the most fitting first sentences of a Pottermore article. I have it up in front of me too, <laughs> and the fact that it just says, "Well, here we go again." Um, <laughs> uh, that's that is how I feel. Um, so I appreciate that Pottermore. Um, yeah. Here we go again, uh, reading Harry Potter in 2019. Hell yes um so yeah i will i will dig into this number one start a new passion project inspired by hermione and spew we all have standard new year's resolution go-to options such as going to the gym more or spending less money but perhaps this year you could try something more creative and let's face it a bit more fun in goblet of fire hermione became a full-on activist (laughs) what (laughs) oh shit not a full-on activist (laughs) <laughs> for the plight of house elf rights after discovering the house elves slaved away in that hogwarts kitchen without receiving any form of payment oh, that sounds oh, really oh, fun slaved, slaved slaved away uh, as slaves as literal slaves yeah <laughs> they, they sure were slaving payment. away <laughs> <laughs> uh although harry and ron may have scoffed at hermione's chosen acronym for her new pro- mm, that is not what they were scoffing at did Let's they read the book I, this is this I I can never get over the disconnect between the text and things written about Spew. Yeah, honestly, like this is so wild to me. It feels so disconnected from from what is actually in the text. I'm just imagining a version of this where it's like where Ron is just like really pissed off at Hermione over the name Hermione. That's such bad optics. You need to pick a better name. <laughs> Not a good look. That's a a much better version. I like that. This ain't it, Chief. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Although Harry and Ron may have scoffed at Hermione's chosen acronym for her new project, it was very inspirational for Hermione to try to give something back to her. Mm, That is not... mm, I don't think that's what this was. She even picked up a new hobby out of it, knitting, trying desperately to set the house elves free by knitting them little hats and scarves to give as clothing. Ultimately, it just freaked them all out, but Hermione meant well, really. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> inspired by Hermione starting her own society. Hold on. Wait a second. Inspired <laughs> by Hermione starting her own. That. Okay. Now I'm imagining a way more intense version of Goblet of Fire where Hermione becomes like a cult leader. Uh, yeah. Um, she starting her commune for house elves out in the woods. <laughs> that would be so much better. And Ron is like, Hermione, we live in a society. 
Hermione leaves society. Um, oh, fuck. We're not saying you have to learn to knit tiny hats, although if you want to do that, go for it. The world needs more tiny hats. But having your own self-appointed task you can put yourself into is a great way of learning a new skill or even helping out the world a little bit. Be it activism like Hermione or just anything that's a bit innovative, make your mark in your own little way. Hermione was trying to free slaves that worked at her school. Yeah, this wasn't like a like a like a a passion project is a very weird way to describe this uh i will say you know what uh having a self-appointed task we can put ourselves into learning a new skill helping out the world a little bit that's us we did that That in 2018 we did we we did in 2018 can we have can we have a repeat uh resolution yeah like a like a retroactive resolution backfill a little bit i think that's fair uh, we are absolutely learning new skills we have a self-appointed task and we are definitely helping out the world by doing this oh certainly well number two on this list uh join a club inspired by neville and dumbledore's army so i'm just gonna th- paraphrase that to join the army <laughs> well i just like i like that the first entry here is start a club and then the second one is join a club like level i guess like different levels of responsibility like yeah because one is one is start a society second one is join a society um that is the <laughs> army although okay excuse me all right so we don't have the problem of lord voldemort locking knocking about uh i mean (laughs) well you know a certain (laughs) orange cheeto man (laughs) so we wouldn't need to join a club specifically like dumbledore's army learning defensive spells and what have you but in any sort but any sort of club is a great way of meeting people as well as taking in a bit of self-improvement just look at Harry by instigating Dumbledore's army. Well, it was Hermione, really. But anyway, hang on. What? Is that true? Was that? Harry gets all the credit for everything. Uh, he got Cho Chang. He got to know Cho Chang better. <laughs> A lot better. What? What is this implying? He hit Cho Chang's back walls in the room of requirement, I guess, is what they're uh, implying here. They did, not, uh, they did not read this book. <laughs> no one at Pottermore <laughs> read this book. Um, Good for them. Yeah. It didn't end well, but the point is that Harry actually got out, got to hang out with people from other Hogwarts houses for once. The same goes for that's, you. Join- that's diversity. <laughs> other, <laughs> you know, other Hogwarts houses. Different prep school houses. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we are stronger together uh the same goes for you joining a club may put you in a situation a bit outside of your comfort zone but you might get some new mates out of it or even more that's a little ominous i feel who knows the whole point of joining a club is to pick up a new skill or learn about something new such as discovering a new book in a book club we're doing that learning to act in amateur dramatic society or smoothing out a lovely vase in pottery class same it's not shame it's not harry pottery class but there you go Ugh. whatever it is you're sure to get something really useful out of the experience just look at how neville benefited from joining dumbledore's army he became a much more skillful wizard thanks to the encouragement of his friends something he struggled with on his own if you're didn't he just cut off didn't he just cut off the snake's head with a sword yeah i i mean that's pretty badass but like i don't know if that i don't know if it was because i don't know if he needed the army any old muggle can do that yeah muggles have swords they if teach you're you that in the army. something, they, they teach you swords in the army. 
really really anachronistic they need to update the army training a little bit uh uh if you're muddling through something best to muddle through it with a bunch of other confused people for moral support Hmm. Hmm. Well, we've, we, you know, this is kind of like a club. Like we, we, uh, joined Hurtwood house. Um, we didn't form it. <laughs> that's uh, true. Pretty sure Hurtwood that's, did. Um, that's so true. we've already kind of knocked two out of two out of the park. That's fucking true. We, yeah, we, we are, and we are muddling through the Harry Potter books together with each other for moral support. This is true. <laughs> we're very confused. We're very confused. Uh, but we're, we're muddling <laughs> through it. Wow, we're we're ticking all the boxes. Pottermore, you know, maybe maybe we were inspired by Harry Potter to to do some New Year's resolutions. All right, number three, do something that scares you. Inspired by Lupin, uh, I like that the picture that they chose here is him hugging Tonks because I I did not. I looked at this picture for several seconds before realizing that it was Tonks. There okay i can't i can't i have to save this for when we get there i hate movie tonks so much why is his hand bloody what's happening here i this has got to be like some kind of post horror fight i think Hmm. i'm assuming uh they did such a bad job with tonks in the movies okay um ever said no to something a bit too quickly or held back on doing something different just because you're you've got used to living life a certain way or maybe you've just got a bit set in your ways and don't want to do anything a bit daunting. This happened to Lupin. He let his werewolf status hinder him and lead a relatively quiet life. What? <laughs> I don't think... Again, have you read the book, Pottermore? I don't think that that's really his character. He's a Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Just think about when he resigned his... Po- Wait, just Wait. think of when he resigned his post as Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher when the word got out about his furry little problem. Nobody fired him, but Lupin preferred to step into the shadows because he was scared of the reaction. He was also put off of having a relationship with Tonks, even though he liked her, and she liked him, saying Tonks deserved someone young and whole. In other words, someone who wasn't a werewolf. I'm not looking forward to way, the way these books are going. <laughs> no, me either um also him getting fired for his or him leaving because of his furry little problem just sounds like someone found his blog like i thought you were gonna say his fursuit (laughs) just yeah 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 they found out that, that that lupin was a furry Eventually, after a lot of goading from his friends, Lupin finally entered into a relationship with Tonks. And although his anxiety about being a werewolf never really went away, he did something new that scared him. He led let someone else into his life. This Remember, is just made up. This is all this made is, up. I mean, this, I know Harry Potter is made up, but this is made <laughs> up about Harry Potter. This didn't happen. A, Remember that if you feel that anything is holding you back, you shouldn't put off living your life to the fullest. Take your insecurities and try to own them. We're not saying you have to go skydiving or anything, but don't hesitate to do something that could ultimately make you happier, like Lupin almost did. We absolutely did this, starting a podcast. Uh, yeah, That's I mean, quite daunting. It, it says right in the beginning, uh, you know, if you ever held back on doing something different just because you've got used to living life a certain way. Like, yeah, I got used to living a life where I was not a podcaster, um, but now I am. So <laughs> you, you got used to the comforts of a non podcasting life. But but once once you finally overcame that, look, look where now we I, are now. I'm a podcaster. <laughs> All right. Number four, be more assertive, inspired by Ginny. This is another thing where I'm starting to wonder whether they read the book. 
but also I am questioning my own read of Ginny. I guess we'll get to that. Self-confidence is hard to come by. It's not like you can pick it up from the local shop, but with a little Mm. time and a little bit of conviction, you really can become a more self-assured person, and other people will notice too. Ginny was a good example of this. In the first few books, she was portrayed as a blushing young girl grappling with a huge crush on Harry. It didn't help that she was possessed. (laughs) She was a fucking child. Like... (laughs) Uh, it didn't help that she was possessed by Lord Voldemort in her first year of Hogwarts either, as if preteens didn't have enough problems. <laughs> but as the term wore on, especially in Ginny's third year, she began to really blossom as a person, integrating herself more into Harry's friendship group, developing a killer sense of humor, a deeper inner strength, and a sterling talent for bat bogey hexes. She didn't follow the crowd such as when she refused to take no for an answer when it came to joining harry for a showdown at the ministry of magic at the end of order of the phoenix and after hermione gave Ginny some advice to start going out with other boys rather than waiting for harry Ginny decided to focus on doing nice things for herself rather than pining for others conveniently the second Ginny found her self-confidence harry started fancying her oh boys Ginny is the self-care queen (sighs) ah Hermione reminded Ginny to uwu drink some water. Um, <laughs> I I don't remember any of this shit. I'm very curious. Ginny watch. Yeah, this is, still is just a huge quest. This this feels like it's from a completely different franchise. Like reading this, I'm like I I have no uh, no frame of reference for what it's even talking about. Like this set of paragraphs feels like the entirety of words dedicated to Ginny in these books, as far as I remember. Yes right like like she just doesn't show up that much anyway Ginny's growth taught us that no matter what people's perception of you might be you are the only person who truly knows yourself and your own potential take a leaf out of Ginny's book and learn to focus on your own personal story not other people's i I Uh, would say starting a podcast uh might be the greatest act of (laughs) self-care what is what is what is more assertive than taking the leap of faith that anyone will listen to you talk about harry potter <laughs> that's true for two hours every week that's true or, or even lo- nearly four hours if they're listening to the patreon episodes as well uh thank you very much everyone for listening to our podcast that was quite a leap of faith that we took and hey <laughs> it's a leap of faith for the listeners too that their money is going into this hole and they're getting getting c- great content out of us like us watching taylor lautner's abduction and uh <laughs> i love that we frame it like taylor lautner's abduction like he like directed and wrote the movie <laughs> he did not okay if he did that would have made it such a like more compelling experience i could believe that like a 19 year old made that movie uh he, maybe anyway. he did write that movie he, he had a ghost writing credit it was uh <laughs> please listen to our patreon episodes everyone they're really good we watched a really bad movie uh all right last one here this is a very short one because it's a goof it's a goofer uh kill lord voldemort and end a wizarding war inspired by harry oh fine we're just kidding but boy what a way to start a year right haha hee hee um i'll just take this one as a like i'm sure that i will watch it this is more amv um this year um (laughs) if i had to Uh, guess i probably watched at least 50 last year in 2018 yeah we 
I almost feel like that this is like a right, like a sacred rite of passage. Now we need to select the first, this is war AMV of the year. Very carefully. I searched for one for Taylor Lautner's abduction, but there wasn't one. Um, That's so sad. So I guess, I guess we're still on the lookout for, for a good potential first. This is war AMV. Yeah. True. Thank you. Pottermore. That is, that's all they wrote um we i think we, we did all of those so actually we're we're in tip-top shape all of our new yeah. resolutions were inspired by harry potter characters uh we win yeah we really nailed it we nailed it we absolutely nailed it um well i think that's all i have for this 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 last segment here but i do before we kind of get into our ending spiel i would like to give a shout out to sarah uh who sent us a incredible piece of fan art of molly with her cutie mark uh if you post that on the twitter because you emailed it to us i will make sure to retweet it because it is absolutely incredible it's adorable. adorable it it's is so cute. so cute i i, love I it. it honestly it's just it's just so cute it it brightened up my morning this morning when i when i saw it we 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 have over the break we got a lot of uh we got a lot of really nice comments from people talking about oh this is like my favorite new podcast of the year and 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 stuff and it was very very heartwarming so so thank you everyone who who is listening and everyone who, who wrote in uh, on twitter or, on, or via email etc uh really means a lot to us and we're, we're glad people are enjoying the show yeah thank you so much it, it's very very good and if you've been listening to the show for a long time you know what's coming our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. You can check them out on Bandcamp. Thank you so much to them for letting us use that as our theme song. You can check us out on Patreon and get more content. We have so many good bonus episodes now. We have Taylor Lautner's Abduction. We have The Fault in Our Stars. We have A Thousand Perfect Notes. We have so many weird things that we are obsessed with that that we like to talk about each week. We will be catching up on CW's Legacies when that show gets back. There's there's just so much there, there for you for just three dollars a month what are we gonna read next week that is a good question i don't uh, know why i did that <laughs> uh, <laughs> what the I'm, fuck is wrong with me i am flipping <laughs> through my book here um and trying to find out if the next chapter is long enough to do one chapter and my memory of this book is just like a little bit fuzzy at this uh-huh. point um so let me yeah i guess the next chapter is kind of long maybe we could take it easy next week and just do the one um and that chapter is chapter 27 and it is called padfoot returns oh that sounds great you know what this means this means a return of marauders content we love marauders padfoot. content they put padfoot right in the name we're gonna have to dig up some marauders bullshit for this episode <laughs> well Hell that'll yes. be great uh so i i'm sure that we'll have have plenty of of good good marauder stuff to talk about in addition to the the one chapter we'll be doing next week <laughs> absolutely all right well so glad to have you back we're so glad to be in the shack uh <laughs> and <laughs> that was not meant to be a rhyme but it did fuck uh but uh you know what you know we're, we're excited to see you back but uh 
I hope over your break you did something besides twiddle your thumbs and waiting for us to read Harry Potter because, as always, you gotta read another book. Please read another book. If you go into the dream, but there's a lady here that makes ocean roll seem tame. Better know what you're after if you catch her eye. Cause this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.